0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Color and uh, social justice. You did an awesome job. So, well, thank you very highly. I appreciate it for that. And our panelists, Hina, Raina, Noah, Georgina, and, of course, Dr. Carrier, who introduced our panel and engineered it for us. Everybody, they were absolutely wonderful. We had such a good time. If you all have the opportunity, please go out to YouTube and go to Dr. Carrier's um, channel, and you should find it there. I posted it on our wall. I posted it everywhere. So it's on people of color beyond faith. As well as the public profile for Black Free Thinkers and Black Skeptic Chicago, and all on Tumblr and Twitter and all of that as well. So if you get a chance, it's over there on Free Thought Blogs. And the name of our panel was Social Justice and Young Women of Color. So, right, nice. you know, it was good. It was a good panel. We talked about a myriad of different issues and, you know, what could we do as the secular community you know, in conjunction or, you know, well, basically in conjunction with the religious community or just the community at large and how we can play an active and vital role. So it was a really good conversation. I would encourage you guys to go out there and take a listen to it. Mm-hmm. So, again, we are black freethinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And, again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself and not convert you. So we just wanted to make sure that we made that clear, that you, you know, understand where we're coming from. We have been here going on three years. We're about to go into our fourth season here. So I'm just absolutely elated that... You know, you all have been supportive of us. You've been motivational. You know, we get letters, inboxes, you know, all the time. We just got one this morning, and I haven't had a chance to read it, but thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And, you know, we have a lot of different subject matters in the archives. You can catch the archives here on Blog Talk. You can also catch it on iTunes as well. We're all over the place. We have it on Stitcher, Podbean, just, we're everywhere. So, you know, we would encourage you guys to subscribe to one of our channels and so that you can be kept apprised of when we do new shows. Took last Sunday off. I just needed a break, and, you know, that's a much, much needed rest. We have a lot of things going on. We have the webcast. We have the podcast and, you know, other things that are coming up. As a matter of fact, the Valentine's Day weekend Saturday, February the 15th, and Sunday, February the 16th, we're going to have our own little mini virtual conference. We're going to have basically up to six panels, not each day, but in total, because, you know, it takes a lot of planning to put all of this together, but we're going to do another one this summer as well, but, you know, we're going to have, you know, several panels and different subject matter, and it's going to be a really good time, so, you know, and again, it's Valentine's Day weekend, so not going to be a lot of people around They're out there, uh, you know, spending time with their mm-hmm. significant other or what have you. But we just wanted to bring something back and give something back to the community, especially those that have supported us over the years. Um, but this is under People of Color Beyond Faith. So I just wanted to make sure you all understood what, you know, what banner that was under. But we wanted to give something back, and we also understand that there are some people who can't, um, come out for, you know, varying different reasons, you know. So this is our way of having something there for you to enjoy at your own leisure. And so, you know, again, we thank you for that. Another project of People of Color Beyond Faith is October 11th and 12th of this year, 2014. We will be having our fiscal conference in Los Angeles, California. This will be held at CFI Los Angeles, and again, the weekend of October 11th and 12th. So we've been announcing this since October of last year. So we've been trying to give you all one year's notice because we would love to see you. We would love to, you know, spend some time with you. And, you know, we would like to be able to educate and enlighten one another because, you know, we learned from you guys as well. So we appreciate all the support that you've given us. And Baltimore, Maryland... At Morgan State University, they will be holding a Philosophical Atheism in Communities of Faith conference, and this is taking place April 25th and 26th. People of Color Beyond Faith, are you know, we're sending representatives, so Raina Rhodes will be there, Dr. Hutchinson will be there, and I will be there. Friday evening, we will convene a panel on which we can discuss You know, in a civil and productive manner, you know, our similarities, commonalities, what we can do to basically bridge the gap, um, social justice and community activism. That's basically what's going to entail that Friday evening. So we'll have a panel discussion. Saturday, Dr. Hutchison will be giving a discussion along with a Q and a afterwards. So we look forward to hearing from you guys, seeing you come out, and more details about that will be coming up soon. So we thank Morgan State and we thank jo- Joshua Stewart. Joshua Miller. Miller, Miller It's,
2: it's, I don't know it's why Miller. you to make a sentence.
1: You always switch the names. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Doctor Miller no, Doctor Miller um is, is the principal planner of the conference. And it's um, being hosted um, by the Department of Philosophy of Religious Studies and Philosophy. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just changing folks' names, but I'm, I'm known for doing that. I will change your name in a heartbeat. But it, <laughs> so anyway, you know, oh, next week's show, next week. February the 9th, Sunday at high noon, we will have Christopher Everett on the show, and he directed a documentary, Wilmington on Fire. Now, if you all go back to my Privileged Mutiny series, I did one called Inner City Blues. And in that particular podcast, I talked about Rosewood, you know, Black Wall Street, you know, told to all of these different things that happened. But I also talked about Wilmington, North Carolina, and that was one of the race riots that, you know, wasn't publicized very much. As a matter of fact, it was an insurrection, and it was the one and only insurrection that has ever happened on American soil. And we went into details, but I just can't wait until we get Christopher on the show so we can talk about it in depth. And, you know, it took over 100 years. It was covered up for over 100 years. And, you know, basically in the 90s, like the mid-90s is when the government, the U.S. government, finally acknowledged what happened with that insurrection. So it's going to be a very, very good conversation. So I want to make sure you guys come on out and enjoy yourself, and it should be a really good time. Anyway, today's topic, today's conversation, which should be interesting, we're going to talk about church-hurt atheists. Is there such a thing as a church-hurt atheist?
2: Uh, You know, are
1: atheists, (laughs) well, I mean, but are all atheists church-hurt? No. You know, uh, so, you know, what is church-hurt and is it a real thing? And when I say, what is church and is it a real thing? I'm talking about an application to mm-hmm. atheists as well as application to theists, you know. Okay. So it's just interesting. So, I mean, are you an atheist or are you a disgruntled believer or a disgruntled child? Because we have a lot of people out here in this community that have not realized that, you know, they hate a particular parent. And they're rebelling That's a whole different story And so you know one of the other questions That I have here is Why are you so angry and bitter I can't say that you need Jesus But you need something So yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, it, It's just interesting You know our dial in number is 310-982-4273 And again that's 310-982-4273 We're going to talk a little bit And then we'll take calls We want to go through and uh have, you know, the first part of the discussion and then we'll open up the lines a little bit later. But yes, this should prove to be a really interesting conversation. So, Lena, you know, you were mm-hmm. chomping at the bit there. I guess my question, you know, are all atheist church hurt or just some of them? Um, I think it's just some of them. Um I mean and some of them and some of them have legitimate like, you know, they've been hurt. Like you can't take that away from them. Um, some people have been legitimately hurt by the church. Um, you know, people have been, you know, molested. People have been abused. You know, so that doesn't take away the fact that there has been some real hurt there. But there are some people who I find have some beef with the church for things that I'm not really quite sure are are are, are things you can blame on the church. You know what I mean?
0: Right.
1: Um, and, and, and there's some people, I don't know, I'm, I don't know, like maybe you just didn't like getting up at 7.30 in the morning or being at church all day. And, you know, maybe your mommy was mean to you. you know what I, mean? I don't know. Like, I don't know. But <laughs> some of you seem to have some major, you know, angst with church. Um, and I'm not really sure where, where it all stems from. I'll just put it like that. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, and I and I agree. There are some atheists or people that call themselves atheists, and what they are are you know disgruntled believers. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know you can kind of tell in some of their conversations. Um, you have to pay attention, but yeah, there's some real hurt that has been happening as a result of. some of the religiosity, you know, the group think, you know, the mob mentality. And, you know, just to kind of give, you know, a few examples, and this is something that I saw firsthand, was abuse of authority and abuse of power Mm -hmm. in church. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen, you know, the pastor get up there and give sermons about whoever he was angry with that particular moment, you know, it could have been someone who, you know, had not been tithing on a regular basis. It could have been someone who, um, you know, not given the pastor what he wanted, you know, a business deal gone wrong. It could be someone that he wanted to sing in the choir and they refused. I mean, it can be any number of things. It could be absolutely nothing. You right. know, pastor, just having a bad day. And he didn't like your church hat. You know, right. like, it could be it could be, no, be no reason at all. He just you mm-hmm. know just felt like being a big bully.
0: Mhm.
1: And that happens. That's true. And that happens. That's you know, it doesn't just affect the religious community, but you know that's what we're talking about right now. And. You know, it's just, it's it's interesting Um, When you start looking at this And I see we have a caller already Give us a few minutes I don't want you to think that I'm ignoring you But we want to get through a little bit of this first And then we'll pick up the call But I see you there, California But, um, you know, it can be any number of reasons And so, you know, before I even started this podcast And came into this community I used to look up information like spiritual abuse Um, Pastoral abuse And, you know, a lot of that information up And that helped me in my transition Completely out of religion And, I mean, even though I had said in my mind That I was, you know, agnostic And then I went to atheist And I was saying this in my head It takes time to deprogram yourself I'm still deprogramming myself You know, and it takes time And, I mean, it's so ingrained In our culture, in our Western culture here in America, that, you know, it just happens. You know, automatically, if you sit down and sneeze, you know, let's just say you're at the grocery store, you may have a couple of people that just say bless you or God bless you. It's just a normal reaction. There are some atheists that still say that, and I don't fault them. I mean, it's just the natural response. Personally, I say be well. That's what I say, but you know, going back to what I was talking about earlier about you know some of the emotional and verbal abuse that takes place in church, they basically you know justify it under the guise is you know rebuke is better than sacrifice. Remember that line, Mm -hmm. Raina? Uh, Raina, I never actually heard it. I never actually heard it that put that way, but it it sounds familiar to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's one of the phrases. You know, there are a number of different phrases, but that one in particular, you know, and actually that came from a Walter Hawkins song Rebuke is Better Than Sacrifice. And. So it's just interesting on how some of this has come about. You know, I've been reading stories of people who have left the church most recently, and when I say most recently, I'm talking about within the last four years, and more and more people are coming out and talking about the abuse. And when I see some of the people in the secular community, and we have some angry people, we have some people that are not quite so angry, but I just feel that we need some type of support group. We need something yeah. because yeah. we have. A, go ahead. Hun. Oh, I'm sorry. No, finish your thought. I want you to finish your thought, and then I and then I. Okay. Finish. yeah. Sorry. Oh No, no worries, but I was just saying that we need some type of support group to help some of these people make that transition out, because, again, one of the things that we're doing under People of Color Beyond Faith, as well as with Black Free Thinkers, you know, we're trying to make a soft landing space, you know, a nice, easier transition. You know, we can't make it easy for you because you have to go through that and deal with the changes that come with that on your own, but... You know, I, I just feel that we need some more outreach. And one thing I will, you know, give credit to, they have the Clergy Project out here. Um, they have the Therapy Project, whatever, you know, they some kind of therapy project that they set up as well. And we have, what is that called, Grief Beyond Belief, and you have a lot of different There's organizations. No I, the Counseling yeah, Project, I, you know, yeah. Right, Exactly. And, you know, you have these different, you know, um, organizations out here that are starting to understand that this is needed. And, again, you know, we've talked about how therapy and certain aspects of that is frowned upon in general in the black community. You know, I'm not, you know, stereotyping us, but I'm just saying in general. But in particular, it's been embedded, you know, with a lot of religious people. And so, you know, again, that's part of shedding, you know, that old skin, if you will, shedding some of those old thoughts, some of those old mindsets. Because there are some of us that really could benefit from some therapy and understanding where the anger comes yeah. from. Where the bitterness Agreed. comes from. Okay. Agreed. No, and and okay, and this is just gonna be an observation of mine. I'm sure that a lot of people are going to disagree with me on it. But I'm gonna share it. So here it goes. <laughs> I, I personally, from my perspective, um, particularly in some of the Black atheist circles, and this is not going to be popular. This is not going to make me popular, but I don't care about popularity. I just I gotta I gotta tell my truth. So, <laughs> um, in some of these in some of these communities, I have noticed that there is. A, there seems to be a lot of resentment of black women, and particularly black women um, in, in, who are connected with religion. Um, and I, I'm not sure exactly where this comes from, but I'm going to tell you what my theory is. And Part of my theory is, is that because of you know, the rate of single, single motherhood you know, in our community or what have you. And, uh, and not just single motherhood, but just the reliance of parents, black parents, you know, using the church for things like child care and things like that. But there are some of us, um, some of us who've been using the authority of the church and the authority of God to basically rear our kids with instilling the fear and what have you in them, um, you know, using, um, using corporal punishment. And defending it with terms like, you know, spoil the, uh, you scare the rod, spoil the child, um, and all of those sorts of things. Um, And not relying on, you know, um, methods that are um, obviously more humane, you know what I mean? A little less disciplinarian, um, shall we say. And um, the church supports a lot of this. And, And so because most of, Black people in this community are, are did to church in some way. I think that some people have has it has has sort of this this anger with all things religion or, or or people who are involved in religion that's somewhat misplaced. You know what I mean? Like yes, it's I not nece- it's it's not necessarily um, the fault of the church that your parents use corporal punishment. Now, don't get me wrong; the church does not help with that. You know what I mean? But it's not, not. necessarily the fault of the church, and it doesn't necessarily reflect on the on the black church as, as a whole. You know, the black church is, has has many faults, and there's many things that you can criticize the black church for. And we've done that on this show plenty. You know what I mean? So yes. you don't have to sit here and to and, and to give us any sort of education on what some of the problems of the black church are. But there's a lot of things that the black church has provided that are good. You know, there are, there are things that the black church has provided for black people when there was, there was no else, nowhere else for black people to go. You know, to this day there are churches that provide jobs for people who come out of prison, who have living sure? programs, who have after school care, you know, who have daycare, you know that Uh provide, you know, social and emotional support for people who don't have access to psychologists, you know? And so I just think that, like, sometimes we have to think about where this anger comes from. Are you really angry at the church or are you angry at your parents? You know, who picked up the belt? Was it pastor or was it your mother? You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And I agree. And that's why I say we need to take time out to contemplate and to actually put all of this in its proper perspective. You know, are you angry with someone in your family? Because I've seen this happen with, you know, a lot of people, in particular children, because, you know, there's a bunch of children in my family, and I have a lot of friends that have children. But, you know, one of the things that I've seen is that if a child, in some cases, that the child would be angry with the parent, but would take it out on something or someone else, mm-hmm. because that was mm-hmm. what was convinced at that time. Mm-hmm. And going back to you know, mm-hmm. what Reina was saying about, you know, uh, the use of corporal punishment, the use of. Um, psychological control and other factors that a lot of parents utilize to control their children and to instill fear and reverence and all of that in them, you know, they use the church and the Bible as the control mechanism. And a lot of, you know, children when they grew up and started realizing certain things, they got angry. And in particular with some of the people in the secular community Realizing that, you know, this is just my opinion that the the whole Bible is nothing but mythology mm-hmm. and plagiarized mythology at that. It's just been mm-hmm. regurgitated over and over and over, different names. And we've done a show talking about Mithras and Osiris and the other gods. You know, there are over ten thousand of them, and mm-hmm. basically. You know there's some anger there, and I understand because I was angry too. I was angry at the time that I wasted. I was angry at myself at myself for allowing myself to believe, even though at the age of eleven or twelve, you know I've really stopped believing. but you know when you're a child like that, you have no choice but to do what your parents say, and one of that was right. one of those was going to church every Sunday, you know right. and so to compromise because I was a pretty precocious child. So I was able to kind of compromise with my mother and kind of swapped off, I'll go to church and not (laughs) complain (laughs) if you do this, right? (laughs) 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 And, and, um, you know, so those things, but, I mean, some of the things that have happened in church that, you know, the offenses that have happened, they're very real. You know, right. you know, the people that are being molested, the people that have been taken advantage of. And, you know, I've warned on this show on several occasions about how some of these pastors, you know, are taking insurance policies out on their members. And there have been plenty right. of stories coming through the wire talking about how, you know, some pastors are putting hits on certain members that they had insurance policies on. I've talked about right. sometimes when you go to these churches and you join and they have the new member's card, how they make you fill out all of your information, and on some of those cards, they're asking you for your social security number and driver's license number. There's a reason for that. Right. You know, because a lot of people realize is, you know, they can take that information, and when you make a pledge at church, let's say the the pastor says, well, we need dedicated people to stand up and pledge $1,000, you know, within a year. That they're going to give $1,000 towards the ministry. That is a contract. That right. is a contract. And if your pastor wanted to take you to court on that, you would lose. Right. It's and true. so, yeah, we, we want you to understand, you know, what's happening and what's happening with these churches and how you're being taken in. But, you know, going back to what I was saying, you know, um, you know, people offend other people. It happens. And you have some right. people out here who will try to tell you that, well, you choose to be offended. Right. Okay. Well. You know, okay, go ahead, Rena. Go ahead. No, 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 no. No, go ahead. I know what point you're okay. about to make, so go ahead and make your <laughs> point. Right, right, right. You know, you choose to be offended. Okay. Well, everybody is offended by something or the other. And, you know, I always do contrasts and parallels between the atheist community and the religious community. I can't help myself. I need for you all to see this stuff. And, you know, last year around this time, we had a rash of open letters. And in one of those open letters that I publicly denounced, as bullshit Then and now Ain't nothing changed I just got more To add to why I think it's bullshit But In one of those letters You know It was stating that If you have You know Um basically an issue, some type of disagreement with someone else in the atheist community. That you are to take it to that person. Give them a call. Write them an email. Send them an inbox. You know, send them a you know, get well card. What the hell ever, right? But, you know, not to deal with the situation publicly. Even though the person may have committed an an egregious public offence against you. You're not supposed to respond in kind. You're supposed to go and talk to that person, right? Mm -hmm. That's that same church mentality. Because basically one of the things that you're taught in church, especially if it's the pastor or someone in leadership that says or does something that you take offense to, they say, take your heart to the ones who actually offended you and seek reconciliation. And if necessary, take godly and partial help. Same bullshit. Why don't you stop doing crazy shit to piss me off? How about that? What say you, Raina? Uh yeah, so I actually gonna My comment wasn't actually related to anything that you just said. <laughs> so if you have oh, I mean, more you I you say, that you wanted to say, I know if you have more to say, then I suggest you you continue because if I try to go on what you were just talking about, I will lose my point completely. So if you have more to say, then go ahead. <laughs> No, come on. go ahead and make your point. You know, I'll talk. You know, tag along with it. But yeah, but I had to get that because again, I'm looking at you know, because I already know you know what's going through my head on on one you know regarding that. But I had to show the religious part of it (laughs) and show how this parallels because again, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. So go ahead. What were you going to say? Um. So okay. I just wanted to say. Okay. I just wanted to kind of tie all of this. You know this the the behavior, particularly in the black church, you know, to to respectability politics. And we talked about it before. We talked about it, you know, from the Hughes books, you know, from um, Moral Combat. and We talked about Godless Americana, and just this idea of um, trying to combat a lot of stereotypes and and
2: uh,
1: ignorant beliefs about what black people are. You know, and um, that we're savage. That we, you know, that we're hypersexual and all those types of things. And you know, I want I want people to understand that, you know, you know, under like we could, we absolutely condemn any 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 sort of uh, you know physical discipline. You know what I mean? That people use uh, right. on on children, any type of fear. You know, any type of psychological manipulation. You know what I mean? Teach exactly. To control children. You know what I mean? You should be or teaching adult. them what to do. Sorry, go ahead. No, I said or adults. I'm saying children and yeah, adults. Yeah, or adults. Right. Agreed. Agreed with adults too, but, but particularly with children um, because, um, you know, because we should be teaching them what to do um, li- by our own behavior, you know, and what not to do by our own behavior. Um, but I just wanted to I just wanted to say that part of part of the ways in which we've used religion in the Black community is to counter all of those beliefs. So if it's believed that we're hypersexual, then we have to make sure that our women are covered. You know what I mean? We have to make sure that they're not being uh, quote unquote fast. You know what I mean? So we're not. Right. So we're going to tell you, you better keep your you know get your butt in here you know what I mean, before the street right. lights come on, or in and in the case of girls, even before that. You know what I mean? You can't be out till, this, till the lights come on. you got to come in before. Yeah, we encourage you know young I mean? boys to go and sow their wild oats, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's that sort of thing, you know, and it's just it, all of that behavior, it comes from somewhere. And so I feel like sometimes there are some of us, particularly in the black atheist community, that put all of that on, on, you know, mothers and, and people who make well, you know what I mean? And even the church, right. the, you know, most of the people who are, in this ch- who are in the church, they don't have an understanding of where all of this comes from. You know yes. what I mean? Because it doesn't exactly. all come from the Bible. It comes from somewhere. It comes from our experience with slavery. It comes from, you know, our experience trying to become fully accepted members of American society you know, to be accepted by yeah. whites who thought that we were beneath them. And so we had to demonstrate, you know, through these various things, through our control over our children, through the way that we tell them to, you know, we make sure that they're seen and not heard. You know what I mean? Exactly. The way that we were seen mm-hmm. and not heard, made to be seen and not heard during slavery. You know what I mean? We had to exactly. do these things in order to demonstrate that we were acceptable. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Exactly. So we have, to, we have to understand where these things come from and, you know, obviously condemn them, but we have to have a certain level of compassion for people who are still, in, who have these mindsets because they themselves don't know where it comes from. They don't know what they're perpetuating. Exactly. They don't know. <laughs> Exactly, and that's the reason why it's important to have these shows and to have these conversations, and this is why I feel that it's important that we sit down and have discussions with believers, you know, and and talk about these things because some of them don't know. In all honesty, just like there are some atheists in this community that don't know these things, and when we start pointing certain things out, they'll say, "Well, I didn't know that's where they that came from." Yes, or I didn't know that was happening. Yes, but one argument that we, you know the theists make that many of us have heard, and you know it, it, they'll phrase it different ways, but basically. They'll tell you that, you know, your, your anger is with the church and not with God and not to take offense from, you know, the church or they want you to stop saying the church hurt me or the church hurt others or the church hurts people and then they try to compel you to look at it individually and say that person hurt you. But this is a way, you know, especially when you're dealing with pastors and those in leaderships that have perpetuated offense and hurt, this is how they cannot acknowledge what they've done and not take responsibility for it. Right. It's a game. Absolutely. Yeah, and so, you know, we want you to understand what's happening. They don't want to take responsibility. And then you'll hear them saying, you know, things like stop stereotyping or stop talking in general terms because, you know, you're condemning the entire church. You know, and when they say church, the entire church, they're not talking about Tabernacle AME over here. They're talking about the church in general, meaning the body of Christ. And Thanks. so this is the way that they can stop and shut down your your um, your accusations and try to silence you. It's a yes. silence mechanism. So well, and then they'll agreed, say something like, mechanism. "Yeah, it is, it is." And then they'll tell you not to spread your hurt, to keep it to yourself, and take it to the Lord in prayer. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you know, I'm just showing you, you know, what they're doing, and it's just interesting how they try to twist it, you know, take words and meanings and twist it, and you know, jumble your thoughts up even more, you know, and it's just interesting. Um, No, not every church person hurt you, but you know, I've I've seen the argument from atheists in which you know they're talking about people attempting to turn this country into a theocracy. Now, that I will fight against. You know, the separation of church and state, yes, I do believe in that. It needs to be separated. They're both monsters, and putting them together is just an absolute nightmare. You know, and so definitely a separation of, you know, that. But the thing is, is that, you know, they'll tell you that not every church or every church person hurt you, and people are not all the same. Now, that's true. That's true. You know, and whether it's religious people or, you know, non-religious people, you know, not everybody is the same and not every situation and not every relationship is the same. However, you cannot allow people to not take responsibility for their actions because one of the things that a lot of church folks do is they'll cover for each other or they'll cover for their pastor, and what that means is that for those that aren't familiar with that, you know, when you talk about church covering. basically, if, if someone in the church, whether it's another member, someone in leadership, or the pastor, you know, hurts you, you're not supposed to go and say anything to anyone, and this is how they've been controlling people throughout the centuries, if you will, millennia, actually, but with the advent of the Internet and the technology. This is the best thing that could have happened ever because we can share our stories. We can, When we see that there are a lot of similarities, a lot of these techniques have been passed down through the generations, and a lot of these are widespread, same techniques. And trust me when I say when they have these conventions with these pastors and leadership, this is what they're teaching them. It's not taught. In, in the crudest of terms, like some of the ones that I'm using, you know, there are different ways, but they're are, there are the reason why a lot of these people in leadership take psychology courses. And some of them, you know, like I said, it's been passed down throughout the generations on, this is how you gain control of a situation. But, you know, that church covering, you know, it's never good to cover for an abusive pastor at all. Or abusive or abusive leadership wherever you find it, but um, exactly. But yeah, I mean it's <laughs> you know this again. We're not asserting that all you know atheists' are church hurt. Um, I think that I think that most atheists, you know, regardless of whether or not their church hurt, I think most I think most of us come to a point where we understand that logically faith claims make no sense. You know what I mean? Right. So right. It's not to. It's not. We're not agreeing with the sort of the the church, um, the way the church uses this, you know, this this argument um, that you know somehow because you've been church hurt that therefore your criticisms of the church are are not valid. Um, right. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> we're saying that um, your criticisms of the church can be completely valid, but your um, your understanding of what the church is and what it means and all of um, the way in which you may um, attack the church and what it has contributed to um, the black community and to black culture. You know, because there are are black atheists who, like, completely dog the hell out of gospel music. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I do not bump gospel music all the time, but I used to sing on gospel choirs. So I actually have an appreciation for right. gospel music, even though I don't necessarily agree with the message. You know what I mean? Right. And there are other right. contributions that have been made to black culture and to American culture, you know. Um, you know, there would be no R&D without gospel, period. Exactly. You know what I mean? There would be no R&D without exactly. gospel. It's, that's just a fact of life. And some of the best R&D singers were gospel singers at one That's point right. in their lives. They sang on church choirs right. or they even sang gospel music as, as their career. You know? Yes. So we we have to be very careful, um, you know, particularly those of us who are in communities of color, you know, not to um not to disparage the institution, um, to the point where we're now um, find ourselves disparaging our culture and our heritage. You know, um the church has also you know had also been a place where we could meet and, and where there were you know, there was some intellectual production happening.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, that
1: could not take place outside of the church because there were no institutions of higher learning that we could that we could go to. You know?
2: Right.
1: There were no right. you know, we we didn't have we, we didn't have the opportunities always to go to, you know, Harvard or Stanford or Yale you know what I mean? These opportunities weren't there, so a lot of right. us, you know. And I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, you had you had um, Sojourner Truth, for example. She was not literate. She did not write like all of the writings that we have, um, you know, of her of her speeches. Those were not written by her, but her understanding or and the language that she used to talk yes. about, you know, abolition and to talk about issues concerning you know, black women in slavery in particular, you know, all of that understanding and all of that intellectual production that she did, you know, came out of her understanding of faith, you know, of of the Christian faith, her Christian faith, you know, so, you know, we can't, (laughs) we can't just, you know, throw all of that out just because we now call ourselves atheists. There's a... There's a history there, and, and there were people who did not have necessarily have the access to things that we, that we now have access to. I, you know, I, there right. was a point in time where I would not have been able to pursue higher education in the sciences, not just because exactly. I'm black but also because I'm a woman. You know what I mean? For sure? and so there were women and there were men, and there were other groups who have been excluded from, from pursuing you know, various academic pursuits. Because of who they were, I mean, W. E. D. Du Bois, you know, he was discouraged right. from from seeking higher education in philosophy. Exactly, the man was brilliant, but he yes. was told that he could not, that he could, that he should not pursue philosophy or psychology. Right. And he actually has has you know has <laughs> the souls of black folk is is really um, is really a piece of. of a, a treatise on, on black psychology, you know, and right. what it means to live in a country where you have to have somewhat of, of a dual, um, you know, of a dual understanding of where you fit in in terms of the white world and where you fit in terms of the black world, you know? Right. You have to have a double right. consciousness. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's really a, there you go. That's really about psychology. It really is psychology and philosophy that he's talking about in that book. You know what I mean? So, I mean, for me... I'm just going to tell everybody to look up double consciousness. It's a real thing. Look it up. Go ahead, Raina. Yeah. Yeah, double consciousness. But, um, yeah, so I just just think that some of us sometimes need to take a step back and think about what it is that we're really angry with and what we're railing against. You know? Um, It's... (laughs) You know, we can't we can't especially especially black people I feel like. You know, you pretty much remove a lot of who who we are and what we've come through, you know, and right. sort of our history. If you if you just disparage the black church to the point where you're like, Well, we don't need this, we don't have there's nothing of value here. You know what I mean? Because that's right. where most of our history is going to be. That is where I mean there were there were there were black men and women who earned their freedom, who earned their freedom, who were able to use the Bible and their understanding of the Bible to convince slave masters to let them free. Right, you know what I mean? They, exactly. I Nat mean, exactly. Turner was a minister. You know, so we have to we have to sometimes open our minds a little bit. You know, it doesn't mean that. Matt Turner and what he believed in was real, that it was true, Right. but it was the language that he used, you know what I mean, and and, and the way, uh, and, and, and his understanding of it is what he used to, you know, to seek freedom, you know? Exactly, exactly, and that goes back to when we did the series when I was talking about the book, Black Atheists in America. Which is an excellent book, and also pick up Moral Combat and Godless Americana by Dr. Hutchinson as well. Three great starter books for you guys. You know, okay. uh, Moral Combat, Godless Americana, and Black Atheists in America. Three excellent starter books. But, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about our history. I'm sorry, Kim. I hope and, you don't mind that I went off on that little thing. Oh, no, 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 because I'm getting ready to support it. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, It's important that we do understand the history, because with those particular shows, there was a three-part series that I did. I talked about how there's a difference between white Christianity and black Christianity, what Christianity and religion meant to the black community, and how religion and faith carried the black community through a lot. Now, they weren't always passive. You know, no one wants to talk about, you know, the uprisings and, you know, um, how, you know, the slaves were always trying to run away and all of that. But, you know, basically, you know, you need to learn the history and understand why the church and religion in general is so deeply embedded in the black community. It's because I believe that black and maybe the Latino community, so those two particular communities, I think religion has been so intertwined into our culture that it is now part of our culture, and we cannot separate the two, which is why it makes it even harder for us to go out to these communities and talk with them And because it's like that's why they take personal offense when we talk about religion because it's a part of our culture. It's a part of our history. It's a part of our – it's just hard to explain, but – You will not find that in most other communities, you know, but, you know, anyway, going back to, you know, what I was talking about a little bit earlier, I just want you all to start paying attention to those who present authoritarian type of nature, this authoritarian type of structure and hierarchy. We can't have that in this community because basically it sets people up To be abusive, it sets others up in a position to be abused and scared to speak out. And that's something that we've seen even in this community, people scared to speak out on issues that are very important and pertinent. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah. Someone in the chat room... I was gonna say someone in the chat room was saying, you know, religion was used as a tool to control the slaves. And and yes, I mean no one's denying that that, you know, that particularly European you know, the European conception of Christianity was used to control slaves. But slaves did something entirely different with it. And this is what history teaches us too, that I think sometimes the church hurt atheists don't don't fully recognize you know what i mean negro right. spirituals you know what i mean you know were not just you know entertaining songs that they sang exactly. as praise to god they they were they were maps they were messages exactly. you know what i mean exact to help people f- figure out their way to freedom you know what I mean? There, and, a lot of, right. and there were a lot of churches that were involved in, you know, the Underground Railroad and, you know, yeah. trying to help slaves who had escaped to freedom get on their feet. You know what I mean? Exactly. So we can't, like, again, we have to, we have to do some, some self-education. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes exactly. some of us. You know. So that we understand right. We're always things, learning. Hey, Nobody so knows
0: just, everything.
1: Well, no, 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 no. I just, I'm, I'm just talking about specifically in, 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 in you know, with reference to this. I'm not saying anyone knows oh. anything. Everything. Oh, no, no, no. no. I'm just, I'm just I was talking just, to the audience, just letting them know that yeah. we're still learning. as Well, we're still being educated yeah. and enlightened as well. Yeah. No one, yeah, no one here knows everything either. The point, the point that I'm making is that some of us need to do some more. Self-education and become more aware of the ways in which slaves used, you know, the religion that we had been given, you know, in ways that were not intended, you know. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct, and. And that's why it's good to have these types of shows and to put this information out there. You know, we post a lot of links. We put a lot of information out there, and we do that on purpose so that, you know, people will go and read, and we're hoping that we pique your interest to encourage you to go out and, you know, do some research and understand what's happening, Um it's, it's just it's interesting, you know, it's interesting, and like I said, you know, I've done a lot of parallels, a lot of contrasts, and we've talked about a lot of different, you know, issues yeah. and a lot of different things. I was just going to say, and yeah, and, and, the, and, the, and that whole point that we just were on, it brings me to this, to this Uncle Tom House Negro bullshit, you know right. what I mean, that I hear a lot in the secular community. And, and it bothers me when black atheists say it and black secularists say it, but it really bothers me when I hear white secularists say it. And let me, let me help you to understand why. First of all, white people, because of white supremacy, have always been in a position where they are always trying to define what we are as black exactly. people. Exactly. Okay? So and that's a third problem. What is acceptable, what is unacceptable, you know, who we are, what our okay. limitations are. So that is the first problem that I have with white atheists doing that. The second problem that I have with that is these white atheists have, who are saying that also have no idea about the history that Kim and I are talking about today. Dusty has no idea what he's talking about. I doubt very seriously that he's ever read Uncle Tom's Cabin. Exactly. Because Exactly. I doubt very seriously exactly. he's read anything that was not written by Hitchens or, Haw- or Dawkins or Harris, honestly. And I'm, exactly. I'm just putting it out there. But the fact of the matter is, is that he, he, he has no understanding of even what the character of Uncle Tom was in terms of that story, and he has no idea of who the man that Uncle Tom was based on. And what right. his character was—that man was abused. He exactly. had integrity. He had personal integrity. And then in the end, at the end of his life, or toward the end of his life, when he, when, when he is actually finished, and you know, realized that his integrity was not going to um, actually help him. That his honesty was right. not going to protect him you know that his compliance was not going to protect him when he actually escaped you know what i mean exactly cuz because he realized that none of that was going to protect him so most people have no idea who that man was that the character was based on and they have no idea what the character was you exactly know what I mean? and so if, you, you know go on. Belong- that, talking about the history of that, the, 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 the meaning of Uncle Tom changed through the minstrel shows. Right, and that's and what I was so going to say. That's the third oh, thing okay, I was okay, going go ahead. Finish sorry. your point, girl. Go ahead. <laughs> the third thing is, is that, yes, it did change through the process of the minstrel shows. It was, it was it, because Southerners had this, this narrative that they wanted out there, this idea that slavery was civilizing. The character of Uncle Tom was reviled in the South. They hated Uncle Tom yes. in the bush. That's right. They had to make Uncle Tom something something else, something laughable, you know, something less noble. Right. So Uncle Tom then became what people now think of an Uncle Tom as, which is, you know, someone who is a, a race trader for you know, is is the way that it's used now. But the fact that a white man would think that he'd be able to first define what black people are and what their interests should be and then to go around labeling black said black people as, you know, race traders or, you know, non race traders is just absurd to me. Completely absurd. You know? Definitely. Definitely, and you know what, you know, after have to address something in the room. Someone said, are you all sure you're committed to secularism? It seems some are apologists for the so-called black church. Hmm. I bet you this is someone that supports contradictions as well, who also supports Dusty and black Christians equal. I mean Jeremiah Camara. <laughs> right, and what's interesting is this person has Marx in front of their name. Did you not know that Karl Marx was a vapid racist? But we won't go into all of that. And it's not so much about being an apologist for the church. And the only reason why I'm going to respond to this is because you put it in a chat room. Because otherwise, I'm pretty used to ignoring folks. I have no problems doing that. You know, some of your friends out there can tell you that. But the only reason why... Um, well, you're speculating about us. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But anyway, um, basically... When we're talking about the so-called black church, basically there has been a lot of good that has come out of the black church. With the black church, that was the congregational point or the pivot, if you will, for the civil rights movement.
2: For the, the civil rights place.
1: movement. hit yeah, the safe place. And... Basically, the Civil Rights Movement started way before W.E.B. Du Bois, but he's considered the grandfather of the Civil Rights Movement. Okay, let's start with that. And it was a secular movement, and that's what a lot of people seem to not understand, that Mm -hmm. it was, you know, a secular movement, but the only place that blacks could congregate without, you know, getting the attention of the police or without being disrupted or beaten was because it was the church. That is where, you know, it was, um, that's the only place where they could they could congregate. And Chris, I'm sorry, um, he says, no, it was not, most of the black church was against our king. You're correct. Most of the church religion was against Dr. King. Hey, we yeah, never and said you've this. already right. talked about these things. Like the fact, that, exactly. the fact that this person is in the chat room just tells me that they've never listened to this show. So the fact that they're even speculating about whether or not you and I are apologists for, for religion or the black church is just absurd. Because we've had so many conversations on this show where we've talked about issues in the black church. It just happens, it right. so happens, But Kim and I also happen to be, you know, have educated ourselves on what our history is so that we're not sitting up here just blanket, you know, making blanket accusations against the black church. You know, yes, there are problems, but not all of the problems are, are, are not all, certainly not all the problems are in the black community are problems that you can put on the black church. You know what I mean? Right. So like we have to get out of this mindset, but, if you want to keep talking to the guy in the chat room, I'm going to let you go ahead, but I'm done Oh, no, you reason. know, I gave him the boot, you know, but, I mean, I gave him the boot, but he says he's been secular all his life. And what I find interesting, you know, not only with that statement that he made, but some people in our community that have been, quote, unquote, secular or black nationalists or whatever all of their lives, they speak on black Christianity as though they're an authority. Right. They've it's never it's been a true. part of it. Yeah, they've never How been there. They have no idea what it is. I mean, it, you know, here's the thing. It's like, okay, I'll put it like this. That's not to say I'm not going to say that every person who said they're secular their whole lives, you know, has no place speaking on the black church. I'm not going to say that because you can still you can still have educated yourself on issues concerning the black church. But I, what I do find is that most of them are going off of you know the dusties and you know they're they're not really actually doing. The legwork they're not they've not read anything they don't know about people like James Coyne you know what I mean right they don't know about black liberation theology they don't know about you know um, sojourner truth or Nat Turner or these other individuals um, and and what their real sort of intellectual contributions are they're not really aware of the various ways that black people have been barred from various You know professions that they were barred from higher education, that they're not necessarily aware even of the extent to which Black people were barred from even, you know, learning how to read, and so that, you know, these these situations pretty much put us in a position where we were reliant on the church, not only for you know to meet our you know quote unquote spiritual needs if you believe in that or whatever but to also rely on the church for education, for job training, for all of these various things, you know? Right. And like you said, it was a place that, it was a safe place, you know? It was, right. I mean, and, and, and you're talking about a country where there are vagrancy laws and laws about loitering and, and about Negroes gathering, you know, more, you know, more than three Negroes gathering in one place at one time. The only place where that could Happened that could happen and it was legal for it to happen, it was like a church couldn't do it right. on the street. You know what I mean? So exactly. where are they going to go? Exactly. And that goes back to something we talked about a while ago when, you know, and kind of tying this in a little bit, but when people were talking about women being, you know, basically the bedrock, the foundation, the heart of the church, and we had to explain to them that church was the only respectable place that black women could go without their husbands and not be accused of philandering, not be accused of, you know, um, salacious, you know, behavior or, you know, all of that. And for the most part, that still exists today, Right. that mindset. And so... Right. Again, it's about going back to the history And understanding it And so, you know, it, it's just Interesting, you, especially With some of the atheists, you know And I think I have a good idea Of, you know, what was Going on there, but um, <laughs> I just find it interesting, you know It's about having a conversation It's not about making blanket Statements or anything like that But You know, uh, there are a lot of angry and bitter people out here. A lot of angry and bitter people. We're just asking that, you know, you try to evaluate what's going on with yourself and what's happening. Try to open your mind a little bit, you know. Exactly. Try try to open your mind a little bit. You know, Kim and I are not recommending anybody go out and give their lives to Christ. That is not what's going on here you know what I mean? we don't, we're not asking you to you know we're not asking you to come to Jesus you know what you mean? we're not in it. Go ahead, I'm we're not opening the doors to the church you know what i mean we're not doing any of that today you know um if you're looking for that you got to go elsewhere you know cuz we're not go- we're not going to tell you to do that um right you know but the thing about it is is that you know we are atheists. We don't believe in, in, in religion. I don't believe in religion. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that I don't, I don't like, I, don't, I can't associate with people that do or I can't care about the people who do I can't, or I can't appreciate the good things that come out of some of these communities of faith. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's like going from one extreme to the other because you have some religious people that will not associate with anyone who's not a believer. You have some religious people who will not associate with anybody outside of their denomination. You have some believers that will not associate with anybody outside of their church, okay? And we're starting to kind of see the same thing in the atheist community. You have some atheists who basically – I'll just say this, they don't want to have anything to do with religion. If it has if it says believer of any sort, they automatically reject it as wrong. They automatically reject it as evil. They automatic and I'm not just saying all atheists, I'm just saying there are some. You have extremes on both no, I agree. sides. I agree. And I agree. you know, we just you have to find that middle ground. You have to yeah. find that middle ground. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's just ooh oui, we it's, it's going to you know, turn into a war. And that's how some people see this. There are some people in this community that see this as a war. They will tell you that they are on a battlefield or in in the trenches and, you know, all of these type of militaristic, um, you know, descriptions. And a war against who? A war for what? A war against what? Either you're religious or you're not. you got some people that are in between that call themselves spiritual or agnostic or what have you. You know, with us, we don't care. If you want to be a believer, good, fine. But just understand what you're believing, why, and where it came from. If well, you're a non-believer. I want, to say, I want to say good depending upon what it is that you're saying that you believe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting how to throw true. caveats, I yeah, yeah, there's some know, caveats. You know, if you say that you believe in God, that <laughs> you're, you're essentially for loving your fellow man and affirming your fellow human beings, you know what I mean? Right. Then, right. you know, then we can, we, can, we can roll with each other, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. But if you're in a exactly. kind of belief that says that if you don't believe in this way, then you, you're, not, you're not deserving of life or you're not deserving of, you know, liberty or any of those kinds of things, then obviously we can't, we can't rock together. But <laughs> right. you know, but there are some there are some atheists that are you know that are you know sexist or you know they're not they're not they certainly don't inspire an ethic of humanism, you know what I mean? And right. and so we have to be wary of those folks too. But I just wanted to go back to to something I was talking about earlier when it, in terms of like um, you know going back to the church hurt thing and talking about like why particularly in in some circles in the black um, atheist community why there's so much, you know, outrage and so much hostility, particularly against black women who are religious, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, and we talked about Jeremiah Kamara and the whole, like, black Uncle Tom thing. And so, and I, and I think this is somewhat a, a mixture of respectability politics, but, mm-hmm. um, but also, um, again, that, some, that resentment and, and some of it comes from um, a belief in patriarchy. You know what I mean, but um, mm-hmm. you know, again, most of, the, most of the church is populated mostly by black women, the black church. You know what I mean, and um, black, you know, um, you know, even though, and and this is the thing that I think that we have to talk about first. <laughs> Although black women had a lot of of homes and a lot of families, that does not mean that our our community is matriarchal. That is not what that means. Our community is still very much patriarchal because even those same women who are mothers and heading their families are still very much um, interested in, in having masculine, you know, leadership or masculine power. And a lot of them who don't have that in their own homes turn to pastors and reverends and deacons and whatever for that sort of patriarchal influence. You know what I mean? Um, and that's part exactly. of why there's so much reverence for pastors, you know, in, in the black community. So that let's just dispel that myth <laughs> right, out, right out front. Just because women are in charge of homes does not mean that they have matriarchal power, you know, um, or that their community exactly. is matriarchal. But, um, exactly. you know, we have, um, particularly with the Jeremiah Kamara situation, uh, an idea of shaft atheism. And if you listen and if you read my blog, he's talking about um, how the church has had an effeminizing influence and that the only way for the community to move forward is to remove any effeminizing influence there that um, that would somehow hinder black men from achieving their full potential. And what are the effeminizing influences that one finds in the church? Flowers <laughs> choir robes, and sharply dressed men. You know what I mean? <laughs> These are the effeminizing influences within the, the um, church that are supposed to be effeminizing to men. Now, don't ask me how. You know, how dressing sharply makes you feminine. Um, you know, I mean, I, it doesn't seem to have any effeminizing influence on uh, Deion Sanders you know, or, you know, or, um, <laughs> or, um, you know, Michael, um, I, I can't think of his name, you know, you know, the one that you have a crush on, Kim, you know, from Kelly and Michael, but, um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't seem to have a feminizing influence on those men, um. You know, I don't know of any. I don't know of any men who think that flowers are feminizing. I mean, you, you know, there are probably some male florists out there that have something to say about that. Um, you know, or, or what if influence choir robes necessarily have? I mean, like just touching a flower, a, a, a choir robe make you gay? I don't know. You know what I mean? But you'd have to ask Jeremiah about that. But the point is, is that there seems to be this backlash um, against women. You know what I mean, and against homosexuality, um, that seems to come from this really um, this very patriarchal stance and this belief that somehow the black community can only be redeemed through masculinity. You know, and it's the same problem right. that um, that we had in the Black Power movement and why there were so many women who who left. You know some of these organizations, and or or maybe even some of them remained and criticized these organizations for their extreme sexism, and you know telling women that they need to, you know, assume a prone position, as Stokely Carmichael once said, you know, exactly, um, or to exactly. or to you know support or the, the best way to support a black man was to be in the bare in the in the home barefoot and pregnant, you know, and taking care of exactly. that. You know, so we have to, we have to push back against this. And I mean, and the, and the, the, you know, the choosing of the character of Shaft to represent this only to to me, just further substantiate my, my particular theory, because I mean, what is Shaft? Shaft is a womanizer, you know, super macho, you know, masculine, rough and tumble kind of guy who solves most of his problems with violence you know? Exactly. And I don't think any of us <laughs> want anyone to give us the shaft. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just oh. interesting. Um, you know, it's, I mean, do I mean, you back understand back. what I'm saying, Kim? You, you oh, I get said it perfectly. Saying, yeah. I'm just playing on word. That's all. Yeah, I no, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but I, no, just no, I'm think, just I think that some of us just, just need to be aware of of that too, that there's, like I said, I think there is some, some resentment of black, you know, womanhood or black you know, of black women in this community that drives some of the church hurt, you know, behavior that we see, particularly in the black atheist community. I can't speak on necessarily the larger community because I'm, I'm not entirely sure where a lot of that comes from. But the only thing that I can think of. Um, is that there, you know, is this post-9-11 environment and, you know, just, you know, some of the fact that there are fewer issues, I think, for those in the larger community who, who have, you know, white, you know, privilege, who have, you know, economic privilege, you know what I mean? They don't have very many mm-hmm. other issues to focus upon, you know what I mean? Um, other exactly. than, you know, religion. And I want to make sure we clarify, when we're talking, we're not just talking about black male atheists. You know, there are some females in the community that feel the same way. Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree. No, it's not just a a male problem. I'm just, I'm talking in, in general. But, yes, there are some black women who are also of that mind, that, you know, black women are, you know, they're, that they're, I've, I've actually seen some of them say that, like, black women are kind of stupid, that they're kind of, you know, cultish, you know, that they are, right. that they don't really think for themselves, you know what I mean? I've, I've basically seen them say things like that, and it's like, wow, aren't you a black woman now, you know? And and I, think, and I think part of that, and I was going to say, mm-hmm. I think part of that is also bolstered by the fact that in this community, there's a lot of that sort of exceptionalism yeah, okay, cool, we're like in each other's heads today, that's funny, but, you know, we have, like, not only, like, American exceptionalism that we're dealing with over here, but we're also dealing with, like, you know, this atheist exceptionalism that because we've come out of belief that we're so much more intelligent, you know, than the next right. person. Right, right. Exactly. And we kind of hit on that yesterday um, on that webcast. And, you know, what I wanted to say yesterday, but I didn't, but I'll say it today, you know, the (laughs) Dunning-Kruger logical fallacy runs on both sides, you know, that that illusory superiority. So, you know, I would encourage to go out and look that up, you know, some philosophy for you today. But it runs on both sides. And And it's exactly why some people think that social justice, you know, that, that that giving out, you know, copies of the God delusion is acceptable social justice activism. And I argue that it's right. not. You know, especially when you're talking about giving out copies of the God delusion to imprisoned populations. How in the world is that acceptable yeah. social justice when you're talking about oh, imprisoned goodness. populations that are full of people who have who have issues with literacy to begin with?
2: You know what I mean? Right.
1: That is why, most, exactly. that's why a lot of them end up in prison because they do not get and sufficient and education to begin with. And, the, and not only that, but also the lack of economic opportunity that, that is present within their communities. You know what I mean? So it's like we have mm-hmm. to get out of this exceptionalism that makes us think. You know, a, a lot of us atheists on this side condemned churches that gave out electronic Bibles to Haiti earthquake victims. We condemned them because we said, "Why but, would you give someone an electronic Bible instead of food that they can consume? Exactly. Why would you give them that instead of medicine? You know what I mean?" And we Absolutely. condemned because it was because it was condemnable. Like, it, it, it's just not a priority in a situation like that. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm sure that, that maybe having access to the Bible for some of those people is probably comforting or whatever. You know, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying maybe it was comforting to some people and maybe someone could make that argument. But the, the, the emphasis should be on food and other aid that will, uh, you know, immediately take care of their needs. And when we condemn that behavior and then we turn around to give out copies of the God delusion and not consider the more immediate needs of those who are imprisoned in terms of lack of skill, lack of, you know, literacy, Uh, lack of economic opportunity and things like that, we are no better than those Christians that we just got finished condemning a few years ago. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I've got I to gotta say something about that because, you know, what I find interesting, and just kind of add on to what you said, okay, there is a reason why they give your children these tests throughout certain years in school, like first grade and a third grade and a fifth and sixth grade. If your child is not reading at grade level by the fifth or sixth grade, that is how they determine the number of prison beds and prisons that they're going to build. Right. I need for you all to hear mm-hmm. that it's and true. to understand that. It's this true. is how they put those numbers together. This is what is called projections and forecasting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and in some cases, case, outright quotas. And in some exactly. cases outright exactly. quotas. There are some right, because that are under an obligation contract. to lock up a certain number of individuals because they have contracts with private companies that run these prisons. Exactly. You know, they have the contract, and if those beds aren't filled, that state, through that contractual obligation, is still obliged to pay as though that prison is full. So, you know, the state has guaranteed, and I think Nebraska is fighting that now. And, I mean, we're just letting you know what they're doing to your children. But anyway, getting back to what we were saying about the atheists sending the God delusion and all of these books to prisoners, you know, when I saw that, I didn't post the story. Someone else posted it on my wall, and I appreciate it, you know. um, And I had seen it before they even posted it. And I was looking at this, and it goes back to some of the things that I've complained about in the past. What exactly okay. is the secular community doing in communities of want, if you will, of need, if you will? Right. And I haven't seen too much of anything. I mean, they gave away some turkeys. That's cool. You know what I mean? And and what I find ironic is, you know, they're giving away, you know, Christmas baskets and turkey baskets. I'm sorry, Thanksgiving baskets. But these are holidays in general that atheists condemn. Right. What about the rest of the year? They got to eat the rest of the year. But the thing is, is right. that we don't have a lot of money. We don't have the stability and the piggy bank that the church has. I understand that. So I'm not coming down too hard, but I just want you to think about these things. And, you know, you're giving them copies of The God Delusion and other books like that, you know, written by evolutionary biologists. Really? Seriously? Yeah, I mean, especially especially when you're talking, again, about people even who even when they are literate, like they can actually read and comprehend a text, right? Who even when they're literate and, you know, they have general literacy, they don't necessarily have scientific literacy. You know what I mean? And so you want to hand them these books? Like that doesn't even make any sense to me. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe, I, I don't think that there's any reason why, um, a, a prison library, or, or the books that you know prisoners have access to, should be limited, you know, to um, to religious texts and and not right. include any non-religious texts. That's not what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, we have to think about our priorities. Why is it? Uh, why is that program that we're talking about giving these copies of God Delusion? You know, why are we not also pairing that with a, a program in you know, in, in, you know, just general literacy, you know what I mean? Or even in scientific literacy or even a program that's linked to some kind of job skill development or whatever, you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly, you know, and, and, you know, it's it's just interesting because, like, with the STEM programs that are out there, you know, and it's generally for, you know, um, children and younger folks, but they need to have, programs like that for young adults and especially for people that are coming out of the prison system. Train them up. But, see, the thing Mm -hmm. is is that they want the recidivism. They want them to go back. You know, they're betting on on that individual coming back to jail. They make money. Basically, you know, we want you to go. Some of these private jail systems are on the stock market. So they are literally gambling on your life, the lives of your children, your friends, or people that you love. It's it's a gamble. And so we just want to think about these things. But anyway, we we kind of veered away from what we were talking about. (laughs) But it's okay. No, it's it's not really, though, because, I mean, no, it's not really a a, veering off topic because that is, to me... The epitome of church for atheism, this sort of tip yeah. tat as, as Hina said yesterday, sort of gotcha atheism, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, if the, exactly. if the church is going to go into the prisons and give out Bibles, or if the Gideons are going to give away, uh, put Bibles in every nightstand in the country, well, we're going to try to put copies of the God Delusion, and it's, <laughs> like, it's like, you but know, I mean, there that, are... The a conversation that we've had in the past, whereas yeah. with this community, the atheist community, again, you know, not pointing the finger at anybody specifically because I've done that enough, but as long as there are some people who feel that as long as we're giving it the middle finger to the church and we're able to take one or two of their people or a few people here and there, that we're winning and that we won. And this has right. come back to firm the atheist community on a number Of occasions so we have to do better at that Mm -hmm. you know exactly right you know Tina was talking about gotcha atheism you know that's a bunch of bullshit and that's what a lot of these games that are being played you know both you know throughout the community Mm -hmm. you know black white Latino I'm seeing it all over and I'm like this is Mm -hmm. ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous and and, 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 and honestly and honestly I think it hurts the long game I think it's the lo- exactly. it hurts the long game. If your long game right. is to attract more people to this community, if your long if your long game is to is, is to increase our numbers, I don't think that's that's even a smart strategy. You know what I mean? To exactly. And, and I'll give you community. one example of how they went totally wrong when mm-hmm. they gave that XSDA pastor that's trying out atheism for a year when they gave him well over $16,000. Well, you know what? If I was right. a believer, I would convert to atheism for a year, too. If you would give me some money, hell yeah, I got bills that need to right. be paid tonight. So, <laughs> you know, if you write a story up on me and get me an Indiegogo fund and, you know, send me some loot this way and I only had to do this for a year? You know, I, hell yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's how I say Right, I mean, it's... So, it's just, it's just, and it's just, it's just simply ridiculous. I mean, I mean, first of all, atheism is not a lifestyle choice. You know what I mean? Right. It is a position that one has on the issue of faith in deities. That's it. It's just, it's a position. It's not, it's not a, it's not a lifestyle choice. Like I don't get up in the morning and say, okay, well, the first thing I got to do is not pray to God. <laughs> I just don't right. pray to God. It just, it doesn't enter into my thought processes. You know what I mean? It's just not a part of my life. We're checking it off as we get along, go along. Okay, I'm not going to thank God for waking me up, you know. And I'm
2: I'm not going to pray over my face. I mean, it's a
1: life. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, you know, it's just like how people say, like, atheism is a face, like, bald is a hair color. You know, atheism is a lifestyle, like, you know, like bald is a hair color. It's, it's, it's not a lifestyle. It's just, it's just a position. It doesn't describe anything else that I do in my life. Everything else on paper between me and a Christian is going to look the same, except for maybe my Wednesday and my Sunday night. <laughs> you know? There you go. Know. My Sundays, yeah. see, my Sundays. You know? Exactly. And see, and that's the whole thing. You know, basically, when we were talking on the panel yesterday, we were talking about you have a lot of different, you know, um, atheists or, you know, different types of atheists out here. The only thing we all have in common is the lack of belief. That's it. Mm -hmm. You have some atheists that are hardcore atheists, and they go hard in the paint. Yes, they do. And I understand those are the more militant ones, okay? That's fine. Mm -hmm. They have a purpose for whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. And then you have humanists over here, and I consider myself as part of that particular group in which I do believe in social justice, I do believe in community activism, that's what I have an interest in. And it's not going to do any of us any good pointing fingers at one another and saying what you're doing is wrong and backwards, or what you're doing isn't right over there. There is no right or wrong way to be an atheist. Right. Period. Well, I mean, there are some things that I think are absolutely wrong, but again, that's my opinion you know, um, yeah, but they're wrong not but because atheists do them. They're wrong just to do them. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it's just interesting, you know, talking about all this. And those of you out there that are listening, I have not forgotten about my series that, you know, I talked about last year. We're going to bring those series into fruition. It's just that we kind of, this year, just trying to get everything along the way, and we're going to start it up probably in March. You know, I'll start my series up. Um, that I had spoken and discussed at um, LIMF last year. But um, I didn't want you to think that I forgot about that. But, you know, right now we're just addressing, you know, what's happening in this community. But it's, it's it's interesting, you know, when I look at the community as a whole, we're growing. We're growing. And that's, you know, a really good thing. And, you know, I'm pretty proud of what we have accomplished, but we have so much more to do. So much more to do. I mean, I don't understand how someone who decides they want to try out atheism, who had, you know, employment, who was gainfully employed at religious institutions and decided to go public with his experiment, what did he expect? And then we turned around. Yeah, this community turned around and gave him a lot of money. Now, see, this is where the danger comes in. Number one. Yeah, but it's like the other thing is, is like nobody would have given him that money if he had done like if he had like tried out Buddhism or something like that. It's again, it's all about this tit for tat bullshit, and they're hoping right. that they can attract him to this side with our largesse. You know what I mean? Exactly. Meanwhile, see, we're ignoring bigger issues. You know? Right, because you know that money could have gone towards you know programs to help, you know, inner city children, to help children in these little rural communities as well, you know, STEM programs. They could have gone to a number of things. But going back to that, the danger of what they did when they gave him that money is the same danger that was posed to some of the other ex pastors that came into the community. They lured them by making them believe that they were going to have power and privilege and money and then once they got over here that you know, the smoke emitters were removed. Now, mm-hmm. some of them got positions and money and all of that, but when, you know, the shit hit the fan, if you will, you know, a lot of these organizations and atheists scattered like cockroaches. And that person was left <laughs> to stand on their own. And yeah, I mean they tried it, to help you know, they tried to help a little bit. I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, they tried to help a little bit But some of these people You know, picked up their whole families And their spouse may have given up A job that they had You know, had for years And they gave up the home that they I don't knew feel with sorry children. for them though We already talked about this well, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily I'm, talking about feeling sorry for them But what I'm saying mm. is is that it's a danger because the thing is is that they have these people thinking that they're going to have that power, privilege, the money, and then they get over here and it only lasts for a season. And then after that, you're also, well, well, this particular person also, you know, lied about it and what what other people know we don't know. You know what I mean? But the fact that this person was embedded certainly, again, goes back to this, to this notion of tit-for-tat atheism. It's like, hey, we've got exactly. one of yours. You know what I mean? Exactly. We've got one of yours, and exactly. they're better without They're better without religion. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, <laughs> they're not, because they're still doing the same things over here. And some of these people who've come over here, you know, since leaving the church, they've set up their own churches, which is problematic for a whole host of reasons that Kim and I have <laughs> talked about in the past. You know what I mean? Now, oh, I... I oh. Now, now, Kim, now, now, I definitely am against, you know, the uh, atheist churches because I'm not really about the whole church vibe. I'm definite, but I don't condemn necessarily, you know, atheists getting together. You know, even for the you know the Sunday assembly type things, I just, I just feel like there, right. there is a there. You need to be somewhat vigilant when you're looking at some of these organizations and what exactly. the people are doing. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I'm not going I'm, I'm, I'm like, to outright what? endorse them. Yeah, I'm not going to outright right. endorse any of them right now because I don't know enough about any of them. But I'm not going um, right. con- to condemn them either. I'm just going to say that given right. some of the things that we've seen, I think that there's enough reasons that one should be leery. Exactly, and you already know how I feel about this, you know, because we talked about it. (laughs) Yeah, you have people out here calling themselves atheist pastors. I need for someone to explain that to me. Explain, Lucy. What's an atheist pastor? (laughs) Help me to understand. Explain, explain that I mean, you you know, and I'm not not mocking anybody. I'm not ridiculing, but you know, I need for you all to understand it to see what you're doing. And then you wonder why a lot of believers don't take us serious, or they accuse us of doing the same things that they're doing. And we are, we are. Right. For <laughs> you to see this and to understand, you know, let's go ahead. Let me go ahead and pick up this call here. This may be tomorrow, okay. but it's coming up. One one one. Hold on a second. Let me pull him into the conversation. Is this tomorrow? One one one.
2: Yeah. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, hey, ma'am. Hey,
2: can you hear me? Yes, yes ma'am. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is me. How y'all doing? You know? no. <laughs> I'm We're the doing good. Huh? I'm enjoying the piece.
1: Excellent. 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 You know, I think it's a very important conversation to have. And, you know, it's a lot of this, you know, to discuss these behaviors and to understand, you know, what's going on And to get to the root of the problem, you know, as some people would say, peeling away at the onion, right? One layer at a time And,
2: and it know, happens I, and, Go ahead, honey I was just going to say, you know, y'all were talking about somebody hurting you in church And that's why some people I guess, it's just, but you know, when I was now, you know, I, I'm gonna tell my age, right? I'm sixty, right? And when I was okay. in elementary school, that's where I got hurt at because it was like, well, see, you gotta understand, I was reading before I even got into first grade, right? Because mm-hmm. I used to that's like why. to read. My brother, my brother was eight years older than me. So I used to love to read his books, and I always been like that, right? So. Mm-hmm it got back then if you was a look if you was a uh, woman or girl or female you know certain things you weren't supposed to you you weren't you were supposed to be stupid in a way you you know what i mean not they wouldn't say stupid but you certain things you know women were considered as lower than men okay right and and teachers would look at you like and I mean, they would be angry, rolling their eyes at you. Who you think you are, you know? And and like, you know, I I kind of had kind of my hair is very thick. Of course, it gonna stand out a little bit, but I was thick, long haired They would look at you like, who you think you are, you know? And and that's where I I got my most hurt. But as far as wanting to learn more, I got that from the church. Because when they couldn't answer my questions, that what made me start researching. And I, right. I always like, like I said, I always like to say I was born in church, you know, cause mm-hmm. is I, you know, it's been I've been I've been there for ever since I can remember, you know. Right. So mm-hmm. like you know, church didn't hurt me, but church made me want to research. Yeah. Right. Right, and church right. made me
1: want to research too. I mean, uh, Deborah. I mean, I wasn't born in church. I mean, I was I was Christian in the Catholic Church, but I didn't grow up in the Catholic Church. I've, I've been to a Catholic church maybe twice in my life. You know what I mean? I but you know, and I didn't go to church all the time when I was a child. I didn't really start going to the church in a, on a regular basis until I was about eleven or twelve. You know. Um As one of my friends said, You know when those secondary sex characteristics start started kicking in, you know, <laughs> and um we and have, they started you know I started to have. hear more about hell, you know what I mean, and um the possibility of being condemned there for you know for all eternity, so that was what you know scared me into the church. I wasn't really there except for in the summers or on the weekends, you know with my grandmother. So it wasn't until later that I got like into the church and then when I once I got there I was like, Well let me read about this You yeah. know. I didn't happen to be hurt, but I've seen other people who have and I've seen, and we've yeah. seen them in this community and so, you know, we thought it was you know, it was a worthwhile discussion to have to talk about some of the hurt that we've seen in this community. You know? Mhm.
2: Well
1: you, have exactly. y'all ever been
2: to a southern church, man?
1: Yes, yes, ma'am. So my, my actually, every okay. summer I used to go to Atlanta, Georgia, and I went to one of the larger um, Baptist churches down there, which is the um, First Baptist Church of Atlanta, which is headed by um, Charles Stanley.
2: Yeah, yeah, Charles
1: Stanley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Used to see him all the time. Yeah, different churches. I've attended Creflo Dollar's church. I also attended Eddie Long's church and a number of other ones when I lived in Atlanta. Now, mind you, it was only for a couple of visits. I was not a member, you know. But no, I um, was never a member of that church not either. Mm-hmm. So. It was don't look for me kind of on rough. any roles. On any churches in Atlanta, <laughs> <laughs> just so happy. you won't find me but no i mean i went to i went to church summer camps and um and there was another church and i can't remember the name of it but it was, it was an ame church and i think mm-hmm. it was something like saint philips is what i want to say it was but you know again it was that was pretty much only for the summers and it wasn't until i was 11 that i actually got baptized and saved quote unquote you know what i mean in the church right. and that i became a member and i actually participated more in church, you know, that's when I started doing church basketball and choir and all that crazy stuff. You know? Mm. So church was church was fun for me, you know. Church was fun for me. I mean it also it also was teaching me scary things about where I might go when I died. You know, (laughs) but church was fun for me.
2: That's the only way they can make it by scaring people. Yeah. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly, and so um, it's, it's just interesting because I think we've all have come a long way as far mm-hmm. as people you know, um, where we where we've been, as far as our knowledge, our enlightenment, our individual um, you know um, growth, and you know I just think it's important that we understand that and we recognize that and we understand that it's going to take some people a little longer. And that's okay, because I mean I've even acknowledged that, you know I'm still I'm still growing myself. I'm still deprogramming. So for the ones that are out there listening, you know I tell you don't feel bad about it because it takes time. And we're we're still going through the same things ourselves, deprogramming ourselves from saying certain things. I mean I've talked about how there have been times I've been in my car and sliding around on black ice. And you know, after I got done cussing, you know, Jesus came out of my mouth. And I, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So you know, this is a bit ingrained in us, you know. And I yeah. forgot this weekend was Super Bowl weekend until Raina reminded me. Go, Richard Sherman. You know, I'm not necessarily rooting for a team, but because he's on a Seahawks, I'm go mm-hmm. ahead and root for them real quick. But to be honest with you, yeah. I don't watch like football. No idea, and I really don't care. <laughs> One of my distant relatives actually used to play for the Seahawks. So I'll go ahead and I'll say Go Seahawks. So. There you go. <laughs> what about you, DeBoer? Who are you rooting for?
2: Yeah, I'm, I don't care. I'm, <laughs> I'm not into, you know, just I'm not Just say Go I'm Seahawks. Always, look, I, no, don't you matter, know, look. I don't care. No, go that, say, Go know. ahead
1: and say Go Seahawks just for Richard's shirt. Oh, oh, okay. Go
2: Seahawks. Okay.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so funny, yeah. I'm sitting here, I'm looking at my nachos. I went and bought me some nachos and some uh, a can of cheese. We're going to eat real good today. But um, <laughs> and when I say we, I mean me, myself, and I. But, you All know, right. again, you, know, you don't know, now one thing I want to do is I definitely want to acknowledge Deborah. Deborah calls all the time She, you know, posts stuff on my wall tag me and stuff And we've seen Deborah's growth Since she first started calling the show And we commend her I commend her And, you know, Deborah, just want to let you know You're a friend of the show And, you know, how much I do love and care about you And thank you for your support, honey I
2: love and care about y'all, too, man I really Yeah, do. you're I, awesome I y'all Thank you for supporting um, us <clears throat> Yeah it's a, it's you know, Thank but you and you. I've been looking. I I like to look on the computer. You know, it's a it, you know what? It's a lot of groups out there that are yep. thinking the way we are. You know what I'm saying? It's just it, it's, it's right. amazing. You know, all over the world. That's the thing. Yep.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know
2: and i also want to
1: make sure that people understand now there is you know you know i've talked to a variety of people now there are some christians that consider themselves as free thinkers you understand and there's such, there is such a thing as a christian humanist and this is why we did that show talking about the different terminology but we don't want people to get confused because, you know, a Christian freethinker coming to one of the meetings with my group, you're going to be real confused. I can already guarantee you that. No! Oh, before I forget, the National Day of Solidarity for Black Nonbelievers, this year is the fourth year. This is happening on Sunday, February the 23rd, 2014. <laughs> And um, the plans for Chicago, we've put it out there. We're going to meet at um, Eunice's Art Gallery on the south side. I'll post it again this week. There are going to be celebrations throughout the country. I know there's going to be a celebration in D.C. with the Chocolate City Skeptics. There's going to be a celebration in Houston with the founder, Donald Wright, and his group, Houston Black Nonbelievers. I know that there's going to be a celebration in Los Angeles with Black Skeptics LA, and there's going to be a celebration in Milwaukee with Black Skeptics of Milwaukee. So, you know, there are other places all around the country that are going to be celebrating it as well. So I would just tell you to go out there and look up an organization in your area, and this is not just for blacks, Anybody, everybody can join us. You know, last year we had people... You know, we had whites, we had Latinos, you know, we had people from other countries come and join us here in Chicago. And we had a really good time, and this year should be a really good time as well because this will be my last celebration, you know, officially here in Chicago because I'll be relocating um, later on this summer. But, you know, again, we want you to come out. We want you to have a good time. We're going to have food, drinks, uh, cake. And so, you know, we want to come out. We want to meet you. I would like to meet you all, especially before I leave Chicago. So those in the Chicago area, I'll be posting it again um, as well on Twitter and Tumblr. But we want you to come out. I would like to meet you, especially before I go. And um, to let you know how much we appreciate you, we put these celebrations and things together to give back to you, give back to the community, but also to open up the dialogue. We welcome believers. Please come out. You can ask all the questions you want. You know, we don't eat babies. We don't worship Satan, so you don't have to worry about us, you know, trying to do a prayer and worshiping, you know, Beelzebub. You don't have to worry about any of that. But we want mm-hmm. to get to know you. We want to open the door. We all of that. So please come break bread with us. You know, um, we're looking yeah. forward to it. It's going to be a good time, and you will be able to speak your peace. You'll be able to – now, we're not saying you can give a sermon, But, you know, we're open for discussion. And that's any of the groups. I I don't see any of these groups out here saying no, that they don't want to hear from you, because we do want to hear from you. And we want to talk with you and we want to work with you in whatever capacity that we can without either one of us violating, you know, our particular ideologies. Because I'm not going to get out there and protest with you when you're protesting a Planned Parenthood or the LGBTQ community. I don't endorse that. I, I won't protest that. You know, you know we're LGBTQ friendly, we do believe in birth control, and we are pro-abortion, period, if that's right. what you choose to do. Or pro-choice. So, yes. Exactly. But if you're out here in a neighborhood and you're protesting public policies like what's happening down there in North Carolina with the Moral Mondays, if I was in North Carolina, I would be out there with them. You know, this right. past summer they had a rally for um, Trayvon and that was headed by Al Sharpton, and I went out there and I protested with them. Why? Because what was done to Trayvon and the verdict of that trial was a travesty, period. Mm -hmm. So, you know, exactly. So, you know, we can support one way or another, but, you know, I think we hit on a lot of different things talking about church hurt. You know, because it's not only within the religious community. You have some of that over here. And so we're just asking people to evaluate, you know, where they stand, where they're coming from, because, you know, there have been quite a few atrocities that have been perpetrated by the church. We don't ignore that. We're not downplaying it. You know, we're not being apologists, if you will, for the church um, per se. But what we're saying is not everything is black and white. Mm -hmm. Period. So you have to go back and search the history And to get a better understanding of it Me personally I am not going to be one of those people That go out here and try to destroy the black church Especially when I know the role that it plays in the community And especially when I know that there are no alternatives Nothing Nothing And then also, you know, since I'm talking about understanding the history of the church, you need to understand the history of what's happening on this side of the equation, too. And we touched on this a little bit yesterday as well. There's a lot of libertarians in this community. For the most part, and I can say this all confidence, they don't believe in social justice. That's one of the reasons why it has not been addressed in this community. They believe in taking as much and getting as much as they possibly can and everybody out for themselves, survival of the fittest. Really? Well, it's hard to survive and to thrive and to grow when there are public policies on the, group, on the books that are set to oppress you. But no one wants to talk about, right. you know, the underlying issues with all of this. They just want to say it's the church, and it's more to it than that. cover. Exactly, exactly, and what's happening, and this is just my opinion, I'm seeing some of the same things in the atheist community that I've seen in the religious community They get people so riled up about a couple of specific issues, and I'll give some issues like, you know, abortion, you know, marriage equality, and especially in the church, they get people so riled up about that. And even, you know, in this community, you see some people really riled up about it, but they're not addressing the real issues, So they have you focused on one thing when you really should be focused on all of it, not losing sight of some of the real issues in the community. When it comes to the church, some churches, not all of them, because there are some out here doing good works, and I want to acknowledge that, but... With well, some of these churches, they have people focused on marriage equality, you know, abortion, and the LGBTQ community, but they're not addressing, you know, why the school system is failing in that neighborhood, why the schools, you know, have the toilets in the school don't work, why the kids have to share books and can't take books home to do homework and study, you know, they're not addressing, and there's a number of other issues, but they they take they can't answer those questions and they don't want to address those issues because a lot of them are tied in with the politicians. So the question should become is, you know, that we should be asking is, where is the money? What's happening? And we've pointed out about how some of these churches own portfolios of real estate. They're not paying taxes on that. And the money that goes into the school system is based on the tax base. So if the churches aren't paying taxes on their properties, that means that money is not coming in. That's why. That's part of the reason why the school systems are dilapidated and falling down. In essence, and yeah, this again, is the way that I again part there. of not the whole picture right. because the larger part right. is that is is due to um, just just overall inequities in how you know exactly. tax dollars are administered, you know, to and school exactly.
2: districts. And you know that you that know. that gives you that that gives you an example. Of the church being hypocritical, because in the Bible it says, "Give the season what is season." That's right. You know what? Mm-hmm. They the only ones that say that. So who right. who was they talking about? Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's
1: why. Yeah, yeah, and that's why you know I posted that article that was talking about Ernie Chambers. And he was talking, you know, this is a black atheist legislator. And he basically was, you know, putting legislation out, basically saying that the the church should be taxed. And the the church should be taxed. They're taxed at the commercial tax rate. Something should be coming out of that, and not just the building on which they stand, but the property. Because a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the properties that the churches get, they get for a dollar. Yeah. You know, and, you know, they yeah, exactly And then not only do they get the church for a dollar Then they receive grant money To rehab the property See, there's so much to talk about Again, again, we also have to Put, you know, some We also have to talk about, you know, the fact That this is not all churches You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and while exactly. I certainly believe that And while I certainly believe that there are There are some of these larger churches Particularly that can afford To pay a commercial tax rate that there are some right. small churches that would be harmed. You know, we have to keep that in mind, too, that there are some small churches that actually do some of the work in these communities that, you know, is valuable. You know what I mean? Exactly. Who do not have that portfolio. Exactly. there might actually be those sorts of things, options. too, so we have to keep that in mind. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, and there, there will be some exceptions, but, you know, I'm also talking about a lot of the faith-based initiative money as well as the, the local city, state, um, you know, grants and federal grants that are given to some of these churches. They're not audited. They're not audited. Then the people do not have to declare where the money went or what they've done with it, even though they've written a grant to receive these funds. I mean, it just needs to be overhauled and revamped. And, again, you know, like Rayla said, we're not talking about all churches. There are some small churches that are out here, and, you know, they are feeding the neighborhood. They are, you know, uh, you know, out here and, you know, giving clothing away. They're out here, and they have health fairs in which they talk about HIV and AIDS. You know, it's, it's a different scenario for different places. And, of course, there are always right. some people. To be honest with you, the people that I'm talking about, the churches that I'm talking about in particular, they're the exception and not necessarily the rule. And unfortunately, right, they are the exception and not the rule. Uh, and I'm just, exactly. I, I'm just saying, you know, we have to keep those places in mind because I would hate for us to, you know, get get on this kick of we got to get these churches taxed. You know what I right. mean? And then right. find out that we're um, we're actually doing more right. harm than good. That's right. You know, exactly. And but. that's why I say they would have to be viewed and you know evaluated on an individual basis. You know, and that's that's the honest, the goodness, truth. Agreed. But um, anyway, yes, yes, great conversation. Next week we'll have Christopher Everett, and he directed a documentary called Wilmington on Fire. I cannot wait to see this movie. I am so looking forward to an awesome to this. show. Yeah, yeah. So high noon next Sunday, February the ninth. And on that note, let me see here. I'm trying to see if I'm going to play Raina's favorite song. <laughs> what song is that? I don't know what you're talking about. That's funny. <laughs> uh, uh Well, we're going to play one of our favorites up here. And, you know, this is dedicated to our little friends that came into the chat room. But on that note, guys, you all have a great weekend. Go Super Bowl. The only thing that I'm going to really find about this Super Bowl thing are my nachos. Anyway, good night, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for listening in. (laughs) All right, take care, everybody. Y'all have a
2: good
0: one.
3: He's about to break down. Things. Call, spin, y'all know See what's going on in terms of Illuminati, in terms of a popular rapper. It's, it's way deeper than you think. It's deeper than Illuminati. You've been had, my friend. The biggest trick the devil played on the world was letting him know that Kaiser he didn't Soul. exist. Kaiser Soul. Kaiser Soul.